You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Second and 10 from the 19. Jones for the end zone. It is caught. Touchdown. Golden Tate holds it in. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Oh, good morning, Grump. Uh, breakfast with the Giants today. Uh, <laughs> I am I am in my old bedroom of my parents' house down in Florida. <laughs> Coming back from a late night of the uh, game one of the Rays ALDS game. So for all you Yankee fans out there who are in the middle of their off season, we will take care of Boston for you. Don't worry. But uh, yeah, this is like being 18 years old in high school, still being in your parents' house. So <laughs> it's very strange. So um, yeah, we had to do this early because I got back at an ungodly hour, and it's an even more ungodly hour this morning. But uh, we are here for you doing God's work, and is talking about our favorite football team, the, the New York Football Giants. That's right. It's Friday morning. I'm wearing my tennis t-shirt, and I'm ready to talk about football. Um, <laughs> this is officially Dallas Hate Week, and I, I posed the question to Twitter because I was kind of wondering who the Giants' biggest rival is. Is it the Cowboys, or is it the Eagles? Like, does this match up? Or like, are you fired up about this game? Oh, of course. Uh, you know, I, I hate Dallas. You know, I don't know. I might personally hate the Eagles more because I just think their fan bases are just a bunch of punks. You know, they're they're they've adopted that loser mentality that that city has, and they kind of almost revel in it. And you know, they've taken it to an extreme. But Dallas is the ultimate bandwagon fan base. You know, you're right up there with you know your non-New York living Yankee fans, your Laker fans, you know, uh, Notre Dame fans. I mean. The, we've been to Giant Stadium when the, the Cowboys have been horrible, and we've seen mm-hmm. hardly any Cowboy fans. And the slightest sniff of being good, all of a sudden, you know, you, you think you're in Arlington. And right now, we're at one of those classic peaks where everybody's writing the ticket to them to the Super Bowl. So, you know, this is where they are their most annoying. Yeah, this this is probably the oldest Dallas script I think there is. Is you know. They, they go on a tear and beat up on some teams, and all of a sudden the Super Bowl talk starts to, to happen. But yeah, I think I agree with you. I, I, I'm As somebody who's been to Arlington and met the fans in Texas versus you know the, the Cowboys fans that live in New York, New Jersey, um, I, I found that the fans in Texas were a little bit more bearable. You know, I mean, like, yeah, you, you get the obnoxious dude who's got the shoulder pads with the spikes on it, and he's got a gigantic <laughs> spoon that he's doing this thing with. Of course you've got that guy there. But generally speaking, it was pretty mild-mannered, just regular football crowd when I was out there. And that was, like, week one versus Dallas. Like, that wasn't that was, that was was a hype-up game. That wasn't just, like, a regular week, like, I don't know, right. whatever. But, um yeah, out here, I mean, surrounded by, they're not even really football fans, I wouldn't say. Like, 
I, I find them easier to ignore because they are bandwagon idiots and they're front runners. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I feel almost nothing when I'm around idiots, but the Eagles fans <laughs> yeah. are actually like like incite something primal and violent inside of me. Yeah. <laughs> that I, 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 that to me is the bigger matchup. But I mean. I still feel pretty. I mean, every time they put a shot of Jerry Jones up there, it's going to get a reaction out of me internally and things like that. So yeah, I mean, there's two types of cowboy fans who live in the New York area. I mean, obviously, there's a very large bandwagon wagon contingent who are, you know, they're just killing time before LeBron James starts playing again in the winter. Hmm. And then there's people about my age, you know, the lost generation of fans when the Giants and the Jets were awful. You know, in their formative fan base years and, you know, back in the late 70s, early 80s, when you didn't have Sunday ticket and, you know, Thursday night games and Monday night games where you 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 only saw either a bad giant team, a bad jet team or the Cowboys on every week or the Steelers. So you have a large population of people in northern New Jersey, New York area who just became giant fans, who became Cowboy fans because the local alternatives sucked. Mm. <laughs> and you know now they become my age and now they have kids and now they have those kids have been brainwashed by their their parents and you know you get a lot of guys who sound like they're more from you know Newark than they are from Lubbock and it, it's 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 kind of funny and kind of sad it's kind of sad that the you know the Giants and the Jets lost you know a, an important part of the population that should be their own fans right now but uh, you know it is what it is yeah um, I I guess I'm I guess I'm jazzed up about this game. I mean, so the headlines coming into this are you know Dallas has been on a tear last three weeks, and uh, Giants you know started off really bad, and you know took it to the Saints when I guess nobody picked them to. Um, so you know we get this this division matchup comes in, and you know you've got those headlines going into it. Um, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm pretty fired up for this. I, I think. Sure. I, yeah, I guess, I guess one of the things about this matchup is, is like, it's almost always like week one or week two, and then week sixteen, week seventeen. I guess this case week eighteen, uh, kind of situation with the Cowboys. So like week, it, it almost feels like the hype for it is forced, right? Um, it, it almost doesn't feel organic because it's like week one or week two. I'm, I'm excited for football and it's Cowboys week. And then, you know, you get right down to it. Week 17, 16, 18, you know, you, you're looking at major divisional play there. I mean, if it were playing the Eagles or Washington would have almost the same significance at that time. So, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, I would say the more recent history makes the Eagles a more hated fan base for me, uh, and that and that game to mean a little bit more to me, especially since they tend to take over the friggin' stadium, especially yeah. recently. So yeah, I mean this game to me, it's a classic, you know, NFL tease game to me, where you know, what are the Giants? Are the Giants of the uh, you know? The three-game set where we were, you know, wondering if we should just jump off the ledge and never watch football again, or they the Giants of last week where we saw hope for the future in the quarterback and the playmakers and you know things like that. Um, I'm looking at this much more as a kind of a do-or-die game, and not so much from the rivalry aspect, but just from the you know the glass half full in me says you know they win this game, 
they're a game out of first with a quarter of the season done with a division win on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, the glass half empty side says, well, they lose this there, it's back to one and four and it's back to forget it. Season's over. You know, let's have these existential questions about our existence. So, um, you know, the, the, the rivalry part, I'm not really even thinking about this week. I it, to me, it, this is a business trip. This is no different if we were having to play, uh, you know, the Rams next week, for example, or something. It's just, it's part of a gauntlet of a, of a stretch of the schedule right now we have to deal with. And, you know, the NFL always throws you these curveball games where you think you know something, and the second you do, you don't. And, uh, you know, Dallas, I came into the season you know, still believing that, you know, their defense is awful. And I know they made some nice pickups in, in the draft and free agency and stuff, but, uh, you know, I, I still got to see it to believe it. And not that we're the, the, the barometer of that or anything, but I, I just think the Giants, the, the Cowboys are just playing well right now. I don't know if it's an indication they're necessarily a good or a great team. I, I think at the end of the day, their record might be inflated because of this division. Still stinks. <laughs> so let's not go crazy, you know, going to Vegas and getting Super Bowl tickets for them if they end up finishing 11 and 5. This team could also, still, or 11 and 6, rather, this team could still be a slightly sub 500 team. I'm not sold on still on the defense yet. And, I, you know, as good well as Dak is playing, can, we, can they sustain that over a 17 game week season? I don't know. And I need more evidence and proof of that. And, like we always try to say, don't let the last thing you watch be what kind of influenced you for the rest of the time. So I don't know if this giant team is that barometer of that, but yeah, this is an important game, and I'm I'm hyped up for the fact that you know this time last week I thought the last three months would be meaningless, and now there's a slight little crack in the door for meaning. Yeah, I think I agree with you. This is this is sort of a do or die moment, and yeah, it's Dallas, but you know it's a division opponent. You lose this game and. You know, we're we're down to one and four. We've got a tough stretch ahead of us, but also now we're zero and two in the division. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think I agree. This is just sort of a they were their backs were against the wall last week, right? Zero and three can't go zero and four. Just can't do it. And you know they went one and three. You know, right now where they're that they they've got to win again. They've got to they've got to come out of this two and three and and look at it that way because they do have some tough games ahead, but they're you know, saved by the fact that they're not division games. So yeah, um, some of them be, aren't even conference games. So. And let's be blunt. There's no wildcard team coming out of this division. This is just like last year where mm-hmm. your only ticket to the playoffs is winning this division. And if we lose, we're, we're three out again. And so you know, if we win, we're one out. And I think the whole division has hope all of a sudden. So this is really an important game for the Eagles and the Redskins or, or the, the Washington football team as much as it is for us. Mm-hmm. So we, we're carrying the weight of the division on our shoulders right now. Not that we give a, a damn about those teams, but that's that's kind of the reality for the division right now. And it looks like the Giants are going to be playing without Shepard again, without Slayton again, and looks like without Peppers this time, who is also dealing with a hamstring injury. Um yeah. Peppers is going to really hurt. I expect that we're going to see a bit of Julian Love in this game. Um, you know, Dallas, like you said, um, you know, they might just like kind of shit out the second half of the year and be somewhere hovering around 500 by the end of the year. And you know, it seems that like the 
the trajectory of this team has been tied to the health of the offensive line. And, you know, they, they've been nicked up. Some guys have left. Some guys have retired. But, you know, when Tyron Smith is out for stretches of time, Dallas is a very different team. So, you know, I, I completely believe that. But, you know, it just goes to the physicality of this Dallas team. You know, they, they, they get C.D. Lamb and, and, you know, Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson or whatever. And, you know, they put up 40 points and you have all these highlights of Dak Prescott throwing 40-yard bombs. Um but it, it all comes down to the physicality of this Dallas team. Like They will weaken a team with a run game with Ezekiel Elliott. It's something you absolutely have to respect and then hit you over the top. But if you can dislodge or dismantle their ability to just ride the rock with Ezekiel Elliott, suddenly we see a Dallas team that's completely different. And we, we have evidence of this over the last couple of years now as Tyron Smith in particular, his health has been not so good but the offensive line in general has struggled a little bit. I mean, and, and that's going to sound like, duh, right? Like, of course, the <laughs> offensive line starts falling apart. The team's going to fall apart. But for Dallas, it's so much more true. Dak Prescott yeah. has a tendency when things to break down, when things start to break down, to throw the stupid ball, to, to not find the open guy, to keep his eyes maybe too, too down to the ground, to try and run, to try and do too much. Um, you know, there are guys who are escape artists that can manage that. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. Dak Prescott isn't that level. And that's, you know, kind of always been my argument that he's, you know, he's just a good quarterback. He's not much more than that. But um, hmm. Oh, you've increased your uh, your feeling for Dak because we've argued on this show many times that you didn't even think he was that good of a quarterback. He, I, I mean, I don't. He, he is in the absolute perfect scenario for a quarterback. Um he has he has some things that he is very good at, but you know I don't think accuracy is one that I would say is one of his. Um, and sometimes his decision making, I, I, whatever. I don't, I'm not going to get into a Dak Prescott podcast again. I, right. Nice, nice try. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, Jabril Peppers would have been a big part in you know controlling that line of scrimmage and filling the box and preventing Ezekiel Elliott from having four or five yard carries, um, four or five yard poor per carry uh that is not going to be on the table and i expect julian love probably is going to come in and fill that role a little bit what do you think yeah i think so um i want to get back really quickly to what you're talking about sterling shepherd not playing and i yep. think a lot of giant fans might be under that again the last thing we saw it's like well Kadarius tony emerged so that's not as big of a deal as shepherd is out i think it's a tremendous deal mm-hmm. uh you know hey, it was great that Kadarius got Got the uh, got the snaps, got the touches, had the ability to flash and show what he can do, but he's still a rookie and it's still only his fifth game. And you know, over the first three games of the season, the best offensive player on this team was Sterling Shepard. We, we we were saying on this show and in tweets that we thought he had taken the next step and we thought he was looking you know a little more twitchier than he had before and just more reliable even than he was before. So let's not. You know, fall victim to that last thing we saw, Itis, and like, ah, uh, no big deal. He's not playing. That's a big problem, I think. Still, that you know, this is an offense is still trying to find its footing. We, we've seen some strides. We've seen Daniel Jones, who all of a sudden is the NFL golden boy this week. Um, you know, take starting to take that next step. But losing a guy like Shepard to me is is a big, big loss because, you know. Everything you said about Dallas is true about their offense, but right now that offense is cooking. Mm-hmm. And this is not going to be one of those games, I don't think, where it's going to be 
like the New Orleans game where it was seven nothing at halftime or whatever it was, and you know it was this uh, you know just a grind you know to try to get to overtime. I think this very very potentially could become a shootout, and if it's a shootout, you better have all your weapons, all of them, and uh, losing him is, is a big loss. Yeah, absolutely, and and you know we were saying that Sterling Shepard looked good going back to the preseason. I mean. And training camp and things that you know we saw way back then. So he's been he's been kind of on fire for a while now. And you know Daniel Jones likes to go to him. Also, I mean he <laughs> likes to look his way often. Um. So yeah, I absolutely agree. And and I I think that Giants fans are falling victim to the Kadarius Tony is is fantastic kind of situation there. And it it's it's foolish I think to jump right into uh or even. Even yeah, Will expecting. John Ross calling. Even John, like, oh, well, John Ross had that big bomb. I mean, I'm not relying on a guy like John Ross. I mean, that was great, the touchdown, but do you really think he's the guy who's going to get, you know, multiple targets and multiple catches and be a consistent, reliable receiver? Uh, that's not my thought for a guy like him. So he's not replacing, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, what we, we were getting from a Sterling Shepard. That, uh, no, not at all. The no. production on a consistent basis, absolutely not. So, Let's not overlook the fact of, you know, what Sterling Shepard has brought to the table. And, you know, we have a lot of weapons on this team now. I, I listened to one of the other podcasts. It might have been uh, Patty's podcast saying, you know, do we suffer from a problem of too many weapons? No. no, no, no. <laughs> not not never, at all. You never can. We, depth is something that is required in this league. And uh, the, the, we've seen it on this team in the last couple of years. The second you have an injury or two, you're going down to guys you're getting off the scrap heap. And we're not at that position, fortunately, but, you know, let's not get crazy. But uh, losing your most consistent, reliable receiver is a major problem. Yeah, I, I don't want to uh, be in the situation where we're calling up Peyton Hillis and <laughs> having him join the team about three days before a game. So, no, we, are, we don't suffer from too many weapons. If anything, this team sucker, suffers from lack of a ton of things. Um, <laughs> a lack of ton of things. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, no. John Ross doesn't do anything that Sterling Shepard can do. I, they're completely different kind. But the other thing is that John Ross, his his go route to either be open or clear an area for another person is not going to be something you can just run every play that he's out mm-hmm. there. Like they're going to have to develop some level of route tree for him some level of integration of the offense. I know it was his first game back since, like, all summer, it feels like. but Yeah. I mean, he's a gadget player, but a different type of gadget player than you normally think of. Like, oh, oh, Kadarius Tony's a gadget player. He'll run end rounds and he'll pass and he'll do this type of stuff. <laughs> this guy's gadget is he just runs deep and runs very, very fast. Mm-hmm. You know, and you might, with a gadget play, you might hit that once every three games and be happy. So that's not replacing what Sterling Shepard brings to the table. Yeah, not at all. I mean, they're going to have to they're going to have to I think there's more there to develop with him. I think you can give him some slant, some slant and go. You can give him like a route tree that works on his speed and, you know, just do a bunch of comeback routes and double moves and then just like straight up stuff. I mean, he doesn't have to have a super developed route tree, but he can't just be a go route guy and um and he's he's they haven't just yet, but primarily. Um all right, so in terms of this game, I guess like the big headline going into this, right, is that the Cowboys cut Jalen Smith. Uh, 
linebacker, was drafted in the second round out of Notre Dame, had that devastating knee injury, I believe in a bowl game. I want to say it was super late in the year. You know, plummeted yep. his draft spot. And, and, you know, there was some legitimate question as to whether or not he would even be able to play because the knee injury was so bad. You know, and he... It has, in my opinion, affected him as a prospect. I mean, come, going leading up to that injury, he looked like a first-round pick, solid, probably top 15 middle linebacker for a team, and uh, fell all the way to the second round. That seemed early also, um, and he hasn't really played super well. Uh, but at the same time now, we're looking at a Cowboys defense that without him, and I, I understand that he's you know he's not great, but... Micah Parsons, a, a rookie who, you know, didn't even really play much last year, and and Leighton Vanderish are the big linebackers in this defense, and Keanu Neal has been is technically hey, listed, it. technically listed as a linebacker. How as that does yeah. that do you find that interesting? I find it very because he never he you know he's a sec, you know a solid safety you know at Florida and then you know where you know wherever he's been in the NFL with Atlanta and stuff. So yeah. It seems like they're kind of patchworking something in this defense, which you know was wretched last year. And uh, still, I don't know if I can totally, completely trust you know going forward this year. Yeah, I I don't know. It they have what they've done, in my opinion, by cutting Jalen Smith now is they've weakened the strongest group of this defense. I mean, the back end of this defense isn't anything. I mean, they're 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 building it. They've been building it slowly, but it's still pretty weak. I mean. I'm not too worried about Anthony Brown and Trayvon Diggs. You know, I understand how many interceptions he has so far this year, but for him, it's boom or bust. He's either getting completely burned or he's coming up with a pick. And some of those picks also are just kind of fluky. So it's interesting. So it sounds like they cut him because they, you know, as the story started coming out, that the Cowboys wanted him to waive his, you know, I guess insurance rights or something for 2022. And he was like, you know, screw that. <laughs> so it's interesting, you know, the behind the scenes of why they cut him. It wasn't necessarily a football decision. It seems more like a business decision. So that's weird. Yeah, yeah quite I, weird. Why did they want him to waive that? I don't know. I mean, I just saw the, uh, you know, the I, I think it was Schefter tweeted it yesterday about, about that. Thing. I didn't I didn't dig too deep into it, but I thought that was just interesting. If the, those are the reasons why. Who knows? I mean, that could give some insight into really what his health really is, you know. I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Um, wow, that is interesting. I mean, either way. Uh, all right, so it sounds like it's a business decision. Well, it doesn't sound like a smart depth chart decision, even if he isn't playing well. They've, they've now, in my opinion, weakened the strongest part of their defense. I'm not worried too much about their secondary, and I'm not worried at all about this defensive line. Not at all. Um, right. I mean... No more than I am with this Giants offensive line with any team. So um, I find that really, really interesting. And um, it's it's going to be especially bad. You know, Dorrance Armstrong, I guess, technically right now, is their best defensive end um, or even defensive lineman besides maybe Randy Gregory. Uh, and he... He still hasn't practiced this week with an ankle injury. So now you're without Demarcus Lawrence with a broken foot, I think. You have Dorrance Armstrong is probably not playing. You really just have Randy Gregory and Terrell Basham, Oso Odigizua. Like, none of these guys are really that scary. Um, it was really that linebacker group that used to 
be a problem. Even if Jalen Smith wasn't the best of them, you know, you mix him in, you get a rotation of a, a functional guy who's smart and isn't often in the wrong area. Um, this is a, a chance for the Giants to score some points, I think. Um, I was worried about the idea of Demarcus Lawrence lining up opposite Nate Solder. Uh, I was even... worried. About, I was worried about the possibility of you lining up against Nate Solder. To be very honest. Yeah, really. Um, and now I, the only one really to worry about is Randy Gregory, and he's kind of more of a speed rush guy. He's not that developed. He spent most of his career, uh, you know, on. NFL banned lists and whatever <laughs> yeah. it's suspension lists. Um, so you know he's he has not really developed the way he probably should have out of college. Um, I feel a little bit okay. And if the Giants want to win this game, no matter what they do defensively, they need to score points on offense. Twenty-seven points in overtime is still not a huge amount of points. I mean, we should be looking for that thirty-point benchmark game after game. And if you want to meet the Cowboys, that's probably where you're going to be. I think it's only the Chargers were like the only ones to keep them under 25 points this year. Mm-hmm. Um, or whatever. I'm, you almost have word for word in my notes what my keys to the game was. Um, let me do a real quick postscript to the Jalen Smith thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was going to be owed $9.2 million next year, which was guaranteed for injury. The Cowboys said they if they eliminated the guarantee, the 9.2, they wouldn't cut him. He refused. They cut him. So there you go. Weird. Very weird. Um, but getting to you know the matter at hand for this week, I completely agree with you. I think, I think we saw a little loosening of the reins with the play calling and some of the decision making last week. And we saw the potential that this offense can flourish and the potential that this team can score points. We saw, you know, we saw two quick strikes drives. They scored in one play each. Mm-hmm. Um, the question will be, are we going to revert to our tendencies to be conservative, play to the, you know, not to make mistakes, to do something like play like that? If we do against a team like Dallas, it could get ugly really quickly. I think if we continue this kind of, you know, uh, changing of the guard a little bit to let Daniel Jones, you know, play his game, open up, take shots, be aggressive. We could certainly win a shootout with, with with this team. I think, you know, they may have them are their better weapons. You know, may have a higher skill set than ours. But like, you know, we just said ten minutes ago, do the Giants have quote unquote too many weapons? We can spread this ball around all over the place. I mean, we haven't even talked about Saquon Barkley yet. You mm-hmm. know, talking about our receivers and things. And I think if this game opens up, I think we have a real a real shot to win it. But we're not going to win this game if we're you know punting on fourth and four from the 39 yard line or, you know, just trying to limit mistakes or trying to pin Dallas back. I think that's a recipe for disaster, especially on the road. So I think we have to play like a team that's one and three knows our season's on the line and uh, say F it and go for it. Absolutely. And, and one other thing that, uh, you know, you, you can traditionally, you can, Drive the ball downfield, which is what we've been screaming for for a while now. But, you know, obviously the run game is a big part of this team. Uh, It's a big part of this offense. Anytime you draft Saquon Barkley, it's going to be a big part of the offense. But, you know, you have Daniel Jones as well. This is a good team to run zone reads against. You know, they're not very disciplined, and they're not very good on the edge either. You know, Mm -hmm. you have also 
you have some other options here. I mean, Sam Darnold ran for two touchdowns against the Cowboys. Sam um, Darnold. Yeah, and you know he's not unathletic, but he's not nearly as athletic as Daniel Jones. So, I mean, you have some options here. You can you can keep running just zone read runs or RPOs, or you you have the speed now with guys like Kadarius Tony and, and John Ross and Evan Ingram even and Saquon Barkley to be running some quarterback option. You know, assignment football is really good against a team who's you know edge guys are not their starters you know and they're not even that good to begin with uh i i would like to see some more variety in what we use daniel jones as a runner for i think an option play mixed into his zone read stuff is really smart uh and but and (laughs) and variety doesn't necessarily mean just throw out the uh you know the trick playbook and just just keep adding to it yeah i mean it, it uh, variety means just not running the same base plays over and over again. It means utilizing a quarterback to his full skill set and all the tools that he has. Um, you know, not turning the guy into Jamel Holloway or some, you know, running quarterback from the '80s. But we're talking about, you know, we know what makes his special sauce and what he does, and let's tap more into that, especially against teams that we have an advantage over. And like to your points about, you know, on the outside and stuff. Let's let's use what he has and bring it to the table and and and, and let's let's go um all right let's let's switch to the other side of the ball because this is the side that we should be more worried about right is the giants on defense and dallas on offense um i'm i'm worried about this i'm legitimately <laughs> worried about this and it's it's not really so much about dallas you know they're a good team i'm not going to downplay them but i'm worried about this giants team because Dating all the way back to the preseason, I started watching their run defense and thinking, like, what is going on here? Like, New England is gashing, like, on the ground. Like, it's – I don't even think we were we were touching running backs until they were six yards upfield already. Um, and it hasn't gotten better. And I think that a lot of that has to do with Dalvin Tomlinson um, just not being here. I don't know that he's really influenced too much of what the Giants pass rush – problems are right now but he's definitely been missed against the run and it can't happen this game so you know you have you have two problems here with dallas you have to you have to respect and stop ezekiel elliott in the run game um but that kind of falls secondary to stopping the big play with guys like cd lamb and, and amari cooper on offense you know yeah you nailed it. I know. I think for years the the threat was always Ezekiel first, and I don't think this offense is stop Ezekiel first. It's you know stopping the big weapons on the outside, but that doesn't mean that Ezekiel isn't the threat anymore. That you know he still is a very dangerous threat. Exactly. The Giants Giants have a real problem. You know, we, when we just talked about they had a couple of you know one play drives last week, and you know now you know. We want them to open up the, you know, the offense more, but the risk with this is, you know, if this turns into a shootout and we're scoring quick or quicker, we don't want this defense on the field for long, long stretches. And we saw it in, in New Orleans last week. They started running out of gas. And, you know, if this team, you know, if this defense is on the field a long time, whether because they can't get their own stops or our offense is starting to, starting to hum in a shootout with them, I'm worried about the fourth quarter. And I'm yeah. worried about that, uh, you know, that one drive that the Cowboys may all of a sudden 
decide to run seven times, and then you see Zeke get six yards, seven yards, six yards, seven yards, seven yards, that type of thing. And they start, you know, leaning and wearing this team down, which may be tired. So I think a big indicator for me in this game is let's see what time possession is after the first quarter. If we see something like, you know, Dallas gets the ball first and they have a nice, you know, pretty long drive and score, be three and out-ish or maybe get one first down to get the ball back again. And it's one of those 10-5 mm-hmm. first quarter time possession things. I think we're in big trouble. I think if we keep it pretty close to close as we can to, you know, seven and a half, seven and a half in, in that range, I think we have a real shot in the fourth quarter. But that's going to be a very big, big thing for me looking at early on. Um, yeah, I, I think they're, they're in trouble because I think they have to stop the, the big play first. Um, but that doesn't mean exactly what you said. Like that, that doesn't mean eventually what's going to happen is you're going to be put in a pincer is that you're going to have to respect Ezekiel Elliott at the same time you're preventing the big play. And that that's going to put a strain on the defensive line because the linebackers, the secondary, they can't come in and help. You can't stack the box against Elliott, you know, every play. There's too mm-hmm. much talent on the outside. So that means the guys up front have to win. And they haven't been winning against inferior offensive lines at all. They have not. Um, this is going to be this is going to be scary because for me, I'm not too worried about, you know, I, I look at James Bradbury and, and Adoree Jackson and I'm expecting some Rodarius Williams in this matchup you know versus Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and and Wilson I'm okay with that matchup I feel fine I think it's I think that those are a tough group of wide receivers but we have a tough group of DBs and I think that it would be a good match to watch who are better than they've shown yeah just over time they they are better than we've seen we've seen underwhelming performances this year but I don't think you know that that data sample of the last couple of games doesn't tell the whole story of what their potential and their talents are. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's true for the whole team. Um, yeah. But what I, I don't feel comfortable in a straight-up matchup is, uh, you know, the defensive line up against this offensive line, against any offensive line with Ezekiel Elliott. You know, just because we, we've, quite frankly, they haven't won as a defensive line against offensive lines. And then on top of that, Nobody is tackling on this team, and it's not a new yeah. problem from last week just because all of you noticed that Taysom Hill could run through them. It's <laughs> been going on for weeks now, the bad tackling. It has not been good. I keep writing it in my notes week after week. Um, I know that you know after the Saints game, we got the press conference, and he's like, oh, we're going to work on tackling this week. Like, I hope that that wasn't your, your big clue that you need to work on it. It's been going on for weeks now, and... You know, are you no, are you noticing when you're watching your film of everybody else that it, it's it's similar or is this more giant specific? Because it just seems like the league in general, and also watching so much in college, it's the same thing. It's just the the open field tackling has been atrocious. You know, I I, I watch you know, obviously I watch Florida games every Saturday, and that's my biggest gripe right now on the defense is just the open field tackling is just a lack of fundamentals and a lack lack of execution. And so, do you think this is mainly a a giant specific problem or is it just the whole league is having this issue? I think, I think it is a, a league issue. I think it's a, I think it's a football issue, you know, as, as players try to constantly adjust how they tackle to conform to the rules. Um, in addition to just, you know, 
rules in place for practice time and uh, you know how much they can work on tackling and how much is allowed in practice and that sort of thing. I think it creates right. a league problem, sure, but it's certainly a bigger problem on the Giants than you know than it's been in recent years. Certainly right. more than last year. If there was one thing they did well last year was that they would all corral to the ball and get the stop wherever the pass was. You know, whatever there was very Which little was yards after the catch. Yeah, I mean it was it was just the bread and butter of this defense was. Sure, you can catch it, but you're going to get tackled right there. I mean, that's not really happening anymore. And I think really, you know, part of it is Blake Martinez is a sure tackler. He's out for the year. But they weren't really tackling well before that. And I think part of that is the defensive line isn't actually getting off of their blocks when they're trying to make a tackle. So they've only got one arm free half the time because Mm -hmm. they're not winning. This defensive line isn't winning. And I think that's where Dalvin Tomlinson comes into the picture as being part of the problem uh, for, for this for this defense not being very good at tackling. Uh, right. Danny Shelton was kind of signed to be his replacement in the run game, and you know they they have Austin Johnson in there as your your big man pass rusher. Um, and Danny Shelton, I've been kind of waiting for to have his big moment, his big game, and he's he's just at this point. I'm resigned to find that he is not good. Uh, you know, he's he's a 300 <laughs> plus pound man that can't even beat. You know, a one-on-one block with a center, and I don't know how that happens. He, he doesn't just lose; he loses badly. I mean, he'll be about four yards upfield. So that I think is part of the biggest, the biggest part of that problem. But they have to find a solution. I don't want to hear that the free agent you you were prepared to let walk and one guy getting hurt has you know plummeted altered, his team's tackling ability. Everything. Yeah. Um, and in this game especially, they're going to have to figure out eventually how to tackle Ezekiel Elliott at or around the line of scrimmage without a safety in the box or, or you know, without having all the linebackers screaming downhill. You know, they, yeah, they're going to have to cover the big play and Zeke. I don't want to see this game turn into one of those every time the, it's third and two. He's getting three, four yards every single time because, you know, it's like watching a game like that where you just get that hopeless feeling of, all right, we got third down again, and we're not stopping him. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, there he is, and relatively unscathed going, you know, past the first down marker. So, you know, again, I think that still goes back to my previous theory of, you know, what we do in the first quarter and early second quarter is going to determine how that's going to go in the third and fourth quarter with, uh, you know, with, with this uh, with a defensive line and just being, you know, a lot of snaps and a lot of time on the field. So, I, I think we'll, we'll know early what's how this game is going to play out. I think. And uh, how do you think it's going to play out? Why don't you give me your prediction? Well, you know, it was great they won last week, and I'm glad that we got off the schneid, but losers still lose. And I just have this bad feeling that, you know, I mentioned before we need to win. Obviously, time of the time possession battle, you know, keep this defense off the field. And I think that a lot of it's predicated on can we get an early lead and have them play from behind? If you do that, you make them a little more one-dimensional, and I get it. That one dimension is one of the best units in the league right now. Their passing game with their receivers, but I think our only chance to win is getting away from our weaknesses and having play our strengths. And I think the secondary is still the strength of this team on, on the defensive side. And I'm almost willing to take my chances more, and not having to you know worry so much about a run game punishing us and pounding us in submission. I think this game is going to be more of a shootout. I um, will we be leading for most of it and have them coming back? I don't 
think so. Probably not. But I think you're going to see a game where Daniel Jones again throws at least 35, 40 you know, passes a game and has some pretty gaudy numbers again. Um, this is not going to be the same game as the Saints game last week. I, I think this is going to be much more open. I just think Dallas has too many weapons, though, and I think it, you know, at this moment they're a better team than us. And I think we will look better overall. I think the last two weeks are – it could take us off the ledge for thinking this is the worst team ever and just poorly coached and all that stuff. But um, we're still catching Dallas at the wrong time, I think. We're not ready to win that shootout with them. I think we're going to lose – 35-28, but I think overall going to feel like this team is playing better, uh, continuing an upward trend of this team, being able to compete. You know, we have a very hard schedule coming up. Uh, this loss will probably, you know, very, very, very close, if not effectively ending our hopes of making the playoffs. But um, I think it'll be an entertaining game. It'll be lots of highlights. There'll be some frustration because, you know, they're making highlight plays as well. But I, I, in the end, I think we lose, but we don't look bad in doing it. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I'm thinking this game's gonna go. Um, I think, but I, you know, like you said, if if they win this game, if the Giants do win this game, that 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 that's a huge statement about what this team is, what they can be, what Joe Judge is, what Daniel Jones is. I mean, I I can't imagine that they win this game, and it's some slugfest of sixteen thirteen. I mean, I I can't even like picture that in my head. Yeah, um, it's an important Joe Judge game, I think. It's one of those where if we're going to win this game, Joe Judge can't think like Joe Judge. You know, it, we're not going to win this game by, like I said, punting on the 38-yard line or things like that. We're going to have to go for it. We're going to have to be aggressive. We're going to have to make, you know, we're going to have to maximize each of our possessions because they have the potential to score on any play. Mm-hmm. And, and leaving points on the field and you know, playing for the will the field position thing and all that stuff, that, that's not going to work in a game like this. You have an opportunity to put points on the board any way possible. Take advantage. Go for it. Get out of your comfort zone because if we get into a shootout, we're going to lose. We have to score to, to match scores. So that's my advice for Joe Judge is you know, go against your basic instincts. And if this team you feel has a sense to get that first down on a, on a fourth and two, go for it. You know, instead of you know, kicking the field goal and going for it, go for it. I think this game ends 28-24 Dallas. Um, I think that they do a pretty good job to neutralize a lot of the point scoring, and I think that they keep it close, but, you know, they don't. They just don't score enough points, and it's, it's just kind of... I haven't seen enough of the offense, you know, being all the way opened up or consistently back-to-back weeks yet, so I have no reason to believe that there won't be the frustrations in the red zone that I continue to see week after week or, you know, those things that, you know, they happened in the Saints game, but they played well enough against a, a team that isn't as good as Dallas yeah. uh, to, to make up for it. That's not going to be the case. And until it actually is the, the, the drive or the play that loses the game for them, I don't anticipate them getting away from those issues. Yeah. I still don't have faith in this team in the red zone yet. I mean, they scored two, they had two touchdowns last week on like quick plays and, and big plays. That's mm-hmm. that's great and all, but you know something, those opportunities don't happen that often. You're going to get into the red zone a lot more, mm-hmm. and we can't see the things that you know played this in the Atlanta game. You know, the false starts and the dumb penalty and the you know wasting first down on a simple inside handoff or something. We 
this team has to get better in the red zone. In a game like this, there might be a lot of opportunities in the red zone. We can't be in the red zone five times and have one touchdown out of it. That's not going to work. Philadelphia is traveling to Carolina, 1 o'clock game. We're at the 425, so we get to watch the division play out beforehand. How do you feel about Philadelphia at Carolina? The end is near for Philly. I think, uh, you know, they're not a good football team. Carolina, you know, in spite of losing last week, I still think it's solid. I think Carolina rolls in this game. I I don't even think it's close. Philadelphia is – Philadelphia might be worse than I thought. Um, New Orleans is traveling now to Washington. How do we feel about that game? Interesting game. Uh, what time is that? A one o'clock game as well? That is. Mm, that's tasty. Uh, let's see if Washington's for real. I and mean, I'm not saying New Orleans. We saw them last week. They're not world beaters, but that's a team that could give, you know, a team we all think, you know, in this whole division, they're about a, a 500 level team. And if they're going to be serious about winning divisions, the game they have to win. Mm-hmm. I don't think they mm-hmm. will. I think New Orleans is going to come in and win. I think we're, you know, Jameis is such a crapshoot, whether he's going to be really good or really bad. Um, I think we're seeing that Washington's defense is overrated. Yep. And I just, you know, I don't like rooting for Jameis or even counting on Jameis, but I think he's going to have a good game. I, I think uh, New, New Orleans goes in and wins. Yeah, I don't think Sean Payton likes to lose, and I think that he has spent the last <laughs> seven days concocting a perfect plan to win against Washington, fix whatever errors he saw against us and, and you know, figure it out. Um, Washington's dealing with their own thing also where like their head athletic trainer, their like facility got raided by the DEA and all this other nonsense. Um, <laughs> it never seems to end down there. It never uh, does. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I think that Jameis is a crapshoot. We had decent Jameis last week. You know, he wasn't bad, but... He had efficient Jameis, which is kind of weird. Yeah, we didn't yeah. have... Spectacular one. We didn't have, you know, uh, disgraceful Jameis. We had, you know, we made plays and stuff, but it wasn't like highlight film Jameis. Yeah, I, I think that New Orleans... I think they jump ahead early and Washington starts to close the gap, but too little too late. Um, and I think New Orleans win this game, which makes which makes the Giants winning this all the more important because if they can get a leg up on Washington, it puts them right in contention in, in the division. And so oh. that's what I'm going to be rooting for. This is going to be like Separation Sunday in the East. I mean, if, uh, if Dallas wins and New Orleans wins, Dallas is getting some daylight between the two, and it might become a runaway if mm-hmm. – you know, even if uh, Washington wins and we win, it's still that bunching. And then every game, you know, a, I think there's two Dallas-Washington games still ahead. There's, you know, there's a lot of division games to be played. Um, all you want is to shorten the season. If you're a bad team or a eh team, you just want to shorten the season. You just want to make it into, if we win this game, this will happen type of thing. And, you know, this is week five already. And, you know, you get by this and you're... Well, not good at math. You're five seventeenths of the way. That's a lot less daunting than seventeen games to go. So this is a critical week uh, for us, the division, everything, our sanity. You know it. It's so silly because most teams lose more than three games per year, right? I would say mathematically. So. Um, but you lose the first three, and almost it, it feels like every single game is a must-win. It's absolutely mathematically not true. Um, and yet it, it has that, that feeling, whether well, it's momentum or just as a fan base, you feel invested and helpless because you can't do anything or, or whatever. But Well, most teams you know, 
don't lose three games a season, but most teams also don't have winning streaks of longer than three games during a regular yeah. season. So that's the thing. That's yeah. the, that's the reality of it. It's not the question of, well, we can make up those wins during the season, but all of a sudden we're not talking about a 17 game season anymore. You're talking about a 14 game season or an 11 game season. So the odds of that, you know, making up the ground that quickly over like a four or five game winning streak are very rare. And you're talking about teams that are kind of crappy and just let's say let's be generous and say 500 levelish. That means by nature you're winning and you're losing. You're not having these, you know, usually 500 teams are not the result of winning four in a row and losing four in a row or something. It's you're consistently winning one, winning two, losing one, losing two. That's type of thing so that's when when you lose three in a row that's where it gets really disheartening because it's very very difficult for teams of our caliber to kind of make up for that of course all right guys we have the 425 game this sunday so we will see you then and then we will have an episode recorded monday night for your listening pleasure tuesday morning so follow us on twitter at football underscore grump at the cranky fan and of course at just giants pod and we will see you then Go Giants! Giants.